Rookies are breaking out right in front of our eyes. We ranked the 2023 class for the second half of the season tonight on the In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast. So pull up a chair and enjoy the program. Because I've been in tune, out of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the funk, check your stat line, see who's up, that over, under, hit too clutch. I'm trying to avoid getting carried away with the jet sweet, sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves like AC never replay. So I'm running it back, head down, get out of my way, and it's for the law with only one thing to do. I guess I'll say a prayer and put it all on the line for you with they Just one thing to say, yeah, what they don't know. Something they haven't seen. I'm off that mean Joe Green. It got me fading between. Yeah, I got it. And I got it. The In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, all right, all right. It is October 24th, 2023. And yes, the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast, still kicking it with you as we approach the halfway point of the fantasy football season. My name is Seth Wilcock, and I might be the luckiest person on the planet tonight because I am joined by a great cast of characters, my co-host, a man who spends more time in a spreadsheet than Bill Gates himself, an award-nominated fantasy football analyst, and maybe the biggest degenerate at the Washington Huskies game a couple weeks ago, uh, storming the field as they uh, beat the Ducks. How are we doing, Scott? I cannot complain. The Huskies won a tough one this week. Classic trap game against an inferior opponent. Seahawks won. The Astros got booted from the playoffs, and the 49ers lost. It was basically a – it was the quadfecta sports-wise <laughs> for me this weekend. There we go, man. And guys, tonight we are also delighted to be welcomed by uh, one of the faces of football guys, a dude who's hiked thousands and thousands of miles in the Colorado desert, and uh, a guy whose white's pies are just taking over the internet continually. He's Dave Kluge. What's up, Dave? Uh, not too much. Thanks for having me, Seth. Scott, nice to nice to be on with you tonight. Excited to talk some football. I know we're doing some some rookies today. I'm all uh, warmed up. We talked about rookies a bunch on the Football Guys Fantasy Football Show this morning with Alfredo Brown and Daniel Harms. I feel like those are the guys that can really kind of swing the late season for you. You know, these guys take some time to warm up, but definitely guys that we should be talking about at the midway point, especially as these guys are coming out of buys. That's when we see them start to put it together. So really excited for tonight's show. Yeah, excited for you to be here with us, Dave, as well. And if you guys are listening to the show regularly, we've talked about a lot of these players we're going to talk about tonight as we re-rank this 2023 class. But I think now we can look a little holistically towards the end of the season rather than going week by week, matchup by matchup. So I'm excited to jump into that, especially going to be looking uh, forward to uh, in the scope tonight. We got uh, just really want to save people some fab, I feel like, here down the stretch, Scott. I am kind of emptied. The, the bank in a lot of my leagues. I know we're in a couple leagues together and I think you're in the same boat. So we're going to be looking ahead uh, past the, the traditional waiver wire targets tonight. And then from the forum, we're going to take your questions at the end of the show. So put those in there as well. And we'll get to those um, also joined in the back end by the man behind the chair, making us sound crispy and shit. What's up, Kyle Scott. How are we doing it back there? 
I'm doing fantastic. We're out here enjoying the last bit of good weather, probably for the year. So we're all making it count out here in the Berg. I don't know about you guys, but everyone is out in the parks. Everyone is out walking their dogs. It's a yeah. good time. It's yeah, outside. A, a little late summer here, honestly, in the East Coast. So I'm excited for that. Um, thank you for the IBT family joining us tonight. We are so grateful for you guys' support. We got Albert in the chat. What's up, Albert? We got Stacy. What's going on, Stacy? And then we got Priceless Pigeon over there on Twitch. Hey, keep keep with us, and we'll get to your questions here a little bit later in the show here, Priceless Pigeon. Um, but yeah, guys, tell us what's new with your fantasy football team, what's new in life, and uh, we'll make sure we can help you out tonight. Uh, make sure you're interacting with our community and let's have some fun and dive into some rave rookie reviews. guys we are in rave rookie reviews we're going to be talking about rookies for the rest of the season as dave kind of alluded to earlier in the show these are the players who can really make or break your season down the line so dave let's start with you man 101 of rookies um obviously the consensus with Bijan robinson coming into the season a first round pick in most drafts is he still there for you no and that's why i took 101 because i want to talk about this a little bit i am going with puka nakua Puk Nukum, whatever you want to call him here. I mean, he has been off to such an insane start to his uh, season, to his career. He's had more receiving yards in his first seven games than anybody besides Jamar Chase. So right now, if we're looking at rest of season 2023 yeah. rankings, I'm going with Puka Nukua ahead of Bijan Robinson. Maybe if we're talking dynasty, then you can twist my arm and make a case for Bijan. But as is right now, what we're looking at, uh, I think Puka Nukua is the most valuable rookie for the rest of this year. Wow. If you had to look just at all the players that you could redraft right now, Dave, is he a first round pick for you? Absolutely. Yeah, I think he's probably in that same tier of wide receivers that's going at the back end of round one. I think you're taking him ahead of CeeDee Lamb. You're probably taking him right around the same place that you're taking A.J. Brown and Amonra St. Brown. Uh, you know, a lot of people were concerned. I was one of them when Cooper Cup came back that he would see his target share dip a little bit. He's actually increased his target share in games that Cooper Cup has been there, and he is out-targeting Cooper Cup 30-28 to 28 in the three Ooh. games that they have played together. So somehow we thought that he was just going to disappear, and he has only gotten better as the season has progressed so really really tough to write off what Pukunuku has been doing through these first seven seven weeks I love it Scott you're up here at number two where are you going well probably a little bit of a chalky pick now that you know Nakua was the surprise <laughs> at number one and I I tend to agree with Dave on that um specifically talking about from right now forward in redraft I don't think I honestly don't think it's close I think Pukunuku is wow I think I mean just as far as what he's doing, I mean, you know, Bijan is, you know, he's right around the, the, the back end of the RB ones. You know, I think, I think I I'm guilty. So I'm Bijan Robinson. Sorry. That's who I'm taking at number two before I start talking about him. Um, you know, I mean, like I made a comment the other day on Twitter that, you know, Oh, I need more from Gibbs and, and Bijan. And somebody said, well, Bijan's like, he's an RB one right now, but it's, it just doesn't feel 
Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's been what we expected. You know what I mean? Because um, it really hasn't. And I mean, again, you know, trying to ignore what happened in week seven with the just we he, they basically marked him questionable with two minutes left in the game. They're like, oh, by the way, he's questionable. You know, so everybody just had him in their lineups for three yards. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm ignoring that. You know, I, I still think I still think he will, you know, he will lead this backfield down the stretch. Um, you know, and if that does end up happening, he may have a higher ceiling than Puka Nakua. But I mean, Nakua, what he's already it's just it's what he's already done and what he yeah. continues yep. to do um, that you just, you know, if this was just after week one. You know, then it might be like, well, Nakua draft capital when, when Cup comes back. But I mean, it has been sustained. So Nakua one, Bijan two for me. Okay. And I think you're 100% on the mark there, Scott. It hasn't been like a Clyde Edwards Alaire rookie season where he's just a total bust for wh- what you paid, but it's a little disappointing. It's not a Zeke rookie year. It's not a Saquon Barkley rookie year. Um, But maybe with my third overall pick, maybe it's someone who could have that type of season if he gets healthy. And it's going to be Devon a chain here, guys. And it's hard not to want a player connected with the best offense in the league. Number one running back as far as points per game scoring. I know you. that's how you like to judge people, Scott. 25.4 PPR points per game. 7.1 yards before contact. Like, that is a fucking crazy stat. That doesn't feel like a real stat. 12 yards per carry. That's a pretty insane number. I know it's a low sample size here, Dave. It, it, you know, it, it's 30, 30 to 40 rushes is all we got from a Chan. Is he number three for you in your rankings? Uh, I've got him at number four, but it's okay. really splitting hairs between who I would have taken here. Uh, Chan, you know, if you're looking for the upside, he's got more upside than arguably anybody. I think his upside is even more than Pukunakua once you look at the positional value there. Obviously, the concern is when he's going to come back, if he comes back, if he's going to get hurt again, because we've already seen two injuries now and he's a smaller guy. They do get injured a little bit more frequently, but on an efficiency basis, he is currently like the best running back in NFL history. And I don't know if he's going to be able to maintain that, but you know, you said the best offense in the NFL. I'll take it a step further. This is like the best offense we've seen in like the last 25 (laughs) years. So I absolutely want a piece of that. Devon HN is tailor made for this wide zone run scheme that they run in Miami, where he could just get out in space, hit the hole and just explode for 60 70 80 yards so absolutely like that pick all right and let's go to you with number four overall it looks like it might be your number three in your rankings yeah and it's a sam laporta um you know what he's doing right now again you know you got to look at positions a little bit and the advantage he gives you over other tight ends you know he's scoring points right now he's run seven targets per game to start his career right now evan ingram mark andrews or i'm sorry evan ingram travis kelsey and tj hawkinson are the only tight ends not just rookie tight ends only tight ends that are averaging more targets per game that's just an insane start to his season um to his career and obviously you're getting a huge advantage with a guy like Travis Kelsey but I think once you look at that next year with Mark Andrews Evan Ingram TJ Hawkinson that's where Sam Laporta falls so getting that type of positional advantage is why I'd go with Sam Laporta there I love it man and it's so crazy to think back just a couple of months ago, Scott, when it wasn't that long ago that Sam Laporta was a tight end three, four in this class. And all of a mm-hmm. sudden he could be a top five tight end on the season. Yeah. I mean, I scooped up like it was at the start of this year, you, you kind of had to me personally, because I, I wrote a couple articles about tight ends, rookie tight ends. So I did a bunch of research into the hit rate with rookie tight ends, you know, but 
it was JJ Zacharyson who I was first listening to, who, you know, he also did those types of studies, but he cautioned not to take, to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt, because it's not just in a vacuum. If they're a rookie, yeah. it's based on because they're a rookie, they tend to not get much volume. They tend to not see the field as much, but that was showing to be different with these tight ends. So just the fact that they were rookies, you know, bucking the trend it, with Laporta, with Kincaid, with Musgrave to a certain extent has been, um, kind of an abnormally high just involvement from the get-go for a rookie tight end, and that's what's that's the that's the thing that's abnormal. So yeah, I, I mean yeah, like I said, I scooped him up in a bunch of redraft leagues. You know what I mean? Which typically I'm not doing that with rookie tight ends. So I like it. All right, and uh, let's go ahead to you, Scott. My bad, guys. We kind of backed out of the draft there. I'll I'll, I'll get that back up for us, uh, Scott. Who do you have here at number five? This is where it gets a little interesting. Um, this could be a little bit of recency bias, but this is based on a, a, a wide receiver who I really liked coming in to begin with, even when he was sharing the field with the best wide receiver in the league. Now he's not sharing the field with the best right wide receiver in the league, and that's Jordan Addison. Just had a monster game in week seven. Um, I think the concerns that KJ Os, you know, I mean, KJ Osborne's going to yeah. be involved, but Addison is that is the wide receiver one for that team until further notice. Um and like I said, I was I was high on him. So, you know, now that now that that situation is is meeting the talent for me, um, yeah, I you know, pretty easy pick for me here. Okay. I think that's the right pick. I think a Chan Laporta and Addison are all kind of in the same tier. I think you're splitting hairs between any three of those, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think Addison's the pretty pretty obvious one there. And I think Zay Flowers probably has to go next, guys. Maybe he doesn't have the upside of Jordan Addison, um, but so solid. The consistency's been there, averaging almost eight targets per game still, double-digit points in six of seven games. I think he has the most value of anyone left here. I don't necessarily love this Todd Munkin offense still, but I think there could be some upside. So I'm interested um, in giving me a little Zay Flowers there. Dave, back to you. Real quickly, I just want to say over the last three weeks, it looks like Todd Munkin's offense is starting to take shape a little bit. Uh, Lamar Jackson's seen his intended air yards per pass attempt almost double over the last three weeks. They're passing the ball more. So I, I was kind of the same way. I was a little mm-hmm. upset about the way that that Todd Munkin offense looked to start the season, but it is looking a little bit better now. But um, I will go with... This is tough. I'm kind of torn between two guys, but I'm going to go with Jameer Gibbs here. Um, and I think the reason for Jameer Gibbs, I think David Montgomery is the clear-cut RB1 here when he's healthy, as we've seen. But injuries do happen, and I think the contingent upside for Jameer Gibbs is just so high. We've got to see the best of both worlds now. When they were trailing against it, or when they were leading against Atlanta, he got 17 carries and got that sort of workhorse role. And then last week, when they were trailing against Baltimore, he got 10 targets. So if David Montgomery does miss any time, Jameer Gibbs isn't coming off the field, and he's shown that he can provide really, really good fantasy value as a workhorse running back in Detroit. So, um, you know, there, there, there's a few other guys that I like here, but I think Gibbs mm-hmm. is probably the best pick. It's crazy to kind of see where Gibbs has fallen here as well. There was so much hype coming into the season, and I'm with you, Dave. I think if he got the, the role that we saw here in Week 7, he could be that premier back who's potentially winning you the league. But we know what the what the Lions think of Dave Montgomery, and he'll be the lead guy when he gets back. Scott, back to you here. I think we're at the 108. 108. Okay, so this this pick would have been different a week ago. Um, you know, you got to warn against recency bias, but sometimes the recency bias is just the first bit of a a trend that looks like it's going to stick. And I'm going to go with, you know, many people's tight end one coming in, uh, Dalton Kincaid, the bills. Um, 
you know, like I said, a week ago, I probably, I, I would have been hesitant here, but he just, he just had eight targets. Dawson Knox is getting surgery. I think he caught all of his targets for 75 yards. I mean, I think his, his opportunity, his second half breakout um, is primed and ready at this point. And it was just, you know, you know, the talents there. Um, you just hadn't really seen it consistently like you had with Laporta. And again, small sample size, one game, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard once you get to this point of the season to ignore eight catches on eight targets for 75 yards for a rookie tight end. It's just like, it, it just stands out. <laughs> yeah, smacks in yeah the face. it does. Um, so that's who I'm going with at eight. Slaps you like a big old meat stick, baby. That's for sure. Um, all right. I, I think I'm going to go a little against consensus here, but I'm going to go Rashi Rice. I think to me, he just looks ev- every bit as advertised this season. Every time he gets the ball in his hand, it is explosiveness. And it's not close anymore compared to him and the rest of the Chiefs, Chiefs wide receivers as far as production, targets, receptions, red zone targets, TDs. He leads them all in those categories. And I think they just have to get him on the field more. That's the one thing that I think is holding maybe me back because obviously the other pick probably here is maybe JSN, people would argue. Um, but I just think Rice has th- th- this role locked up. If Dave, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about Rashi Rice at, at, at the eight slot or the nine slot here? Yeah, he's been my number one waiver wire pickup that we've talked about for the last three weeks now on our show. He was my start of the week last week. I mean, the opportunity is growing, and that's what we like to see. On a per-route run basis, there are only four wide receivers that are averaging more targets, and it's Deontay Johnson, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, and Amonra St. Brown. And then Rashi Rice is fifth on that list. Now, we've seen the routes run go up, and we've seen the snaps go up for three consecutive weeks. Over those three weeks, he has been number two in targets behind only Travis Kelsey. You know, we wanted it with Sky Moore, and it didn't happen. We wanted it with Kadarius Tony, and it didn't happen. I think Mm -hmm. Rashi Rice is that guy that's finally going to step up and be the wide receiver one for the Chiefs that we've been waiting for for so long. What's the ceiling in redraft this year? What do you think by the end of the season we're ranking him on a weekly basis? I mean, if he can continue to pull targets at this rate and become a full-time player in this offense, I mean, that's just the perfect storm. We're looking at a high-powered offense on a player that's very efficient, that's able to draw targets, that can do things after the catch, and that gets a lot of of targets near the red zone. So realistically, we're looking at a top-10 upside here. Man, I love it. Scott, we've been talking Rashi Rice up for what seems like months on, on the show. Yeah, no, I mean, he's he, he fits the bill of uh, he has the upside and ceiling uh, of a league, league winner. You know what I mean? Somebody you can still get off waivers in week eight. Um, you know, he wasn't as highly touted as some of the other w- rookie wide receivers. But I mean, you do, you can go back to any season. And if you look at how it, how it looked as, you know, the dra- the NFL draft happened, as we all projected what these rookies were going to do, we ranked them. And then the season plays out. You see actually what actually happens. It's always there's always this 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 you know, pivoting of different players. And Rice is one of them. Um, you know, everybody loved his landing spot. Uh, you know, he started off the season, you know, he, he kind of worked his way up to playing time, his snap share, his, his route percentage, his route participation didn't start off very strong, but I mean, not surprising as a rookie. And I mean, along with his targets per route run, I mean, it's not as big of a sample size as some, but I believe he leads the NFL in yards per route run as well. So, I mean, he's highly efficient. He seems to score a touchdown every week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so it just, you know, none of the other wide receivers have stepped up and I don't see any reason why they would at this point. Um, you know, so, I mean, we've seen what a talented wide receiver can do alongside Kelsey. I mean, he's no, he's no Tyreek Hill. That's not what I'm saying, but I mean, you know, the opportunity in this offense with Kelsey, you know, Kelsey draws so much attention. Um, 
you know, and then they, and they have a decent running back. They have a running back people have to worry about, you know, because if you don't, if you're not paying attention, Isaiah Pacheco will run through you, you know, so. And um, so will Rice, like we saw just yeah, last yeah. week. He's able to run through defenders as well. Well, and, they, and and I was I was reading something that, you know, they're they're setting him up for success, too. They're, they're throwing him into yak. They're throwing him into yards after the catch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys I drafted in one of my dynasty leagues. I drafted pretty late in the first round. Just kind of I tried to trade him like, oh, hey, this guy Rice. I kept him and I'm really glad I did. 100% with you, Dave. We're towards the end of the, the first round here. 10th, 11th, 12th, uh, c- kind of the back end, uh, what would be a first round of, of rookie drafts and redraft here. Where are we going? I'm going to throw a wrench in here and go with CJ Stroud. And it might be a little bit early for a quarterback, but he is the clear quarterback one of this draft class. He has looked great so far. Uh, currently the QB 11 in per game scoring, and he's doing this to start his career. And he doesn't have a ton of great weapons around him either. He is elevating the talent around him. I mean, we've talked about Nico Collins being a breakout player for the last two years and haven't seen anybody able yeah. to unleash him. Yeah. And now here's CJ Stroud is turning him into a wide receiver one. He's elevating Tank Dell. He's bringing Robert Woods back to life. He's peppering Dalton Schultz with the same type of targets that he was getting in Dallas. So I really like CJ Stroud here. He's been giving low end QB one numbers, but he's got that weekly upside any given week uh, where he can be, you know, a top three, a top five quarterback. And I think a big surprise here is the identity of the Houston Texans. We thought this was going to be a smash mouth team. We thought that they were going to control the trenches. We thought that they were going to be hard hitting on defense. It's been the exact opposite. The defense has sucked. The running backs can't really find much room. (laughs) And it has been the CJ Stroud show seemingly every week. So yeah, I'm happy to take CJ Stroud here as the first quarterback off the board. Shout out Bobby Slowick, man. That guy can coach his yeah. ass off. Um, well, I just I just finished up my my DST. I mean I'm immersed in DST stuff now with Rotoballer. But um, with my like ranking system, you know, opponent adjusted rankings, the toughest matchup for opposing DSTs, the, the offense you do not want to play, is t- Houston. They are the number. They wow. are the number. It, just in in the way I score it, they're ahead of San Francisco. They're ahead of Kansas City. They're ahead of Miami. Um, you know, other if I'm wrong, but Stroud's only thrown one interception on the year, right? Through six starts. Well, that's the thing. It's not always about points scored. It's about not turning the ball over. And they don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I like to pick, I like to pick Dave. I'm right there with you. Scott, where do you hear an 11? Okay. So this, this pick makes me happy. This past week made me happy. <laughs> I'm happy because according to the chat for this pod, I'm going to get a hug from Joey, Wright. I would go Josh Downs here. Um, I think he was a he was a wide receiver that I don't think should have slipped where he did in the NFL draft. Um, he's another one of those wide receivers who out the gate was, you know, 80, 90 percent snap share um, right alongside Michael Pittman. And whether it's been Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew, he's been involved. His target share is, has been solid. His, you know, targets per outrun, his volume, his production. And then this past week, it, it just topped off with, the, you know, a Monster, it's one of those yeah. games, just five catches, yep. 125 and a touchdown. For some reason, that's the, the way that looks in the box score. It's just like, all right, this guy's this guy's here. And he's a guy I hyped before the NFL draft, after the NFL draft um, and since. So I'm taking him here. Um, I take him ahead of JSN at this point. JSN, you know, he he was he was involved this past week, um, but he just it, it. I don't know about his second half if all three of those wide receivers are playing. I just don't know how much of a ceiling he's going to have. So that's, that's why we talked about to, today. That's why I'm going downs over him because he's he's their wide receiver too. No questions asked every week. I'll, I'll wait till we get to JSN, but I, I'll, I got a, a few things to say about him. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and I was honestly looking at my ranks before the show. I thought I was gonna have JSN here, but now hearing this a little bit, I'm gonna throw a wrench into things. I'm gonna go Ty J Spears just for oh. the upside here. Listen, uh, this guy, he doesn't give a fuck about ACLs. He's going to go out there <laughs> and put his best on. I've loved, like, he doesn't have quite standalone value yet. It's close. It's borderline. Close. Like, like if you, if you need, like, a desperation RB2 in a week, he could be that. Um, but regardless, there's a trade deadline in a week, and we don't know what happens to Derrick Henry. And I want that lottery ticket. And fuck the ACLs, man. I'm, I'm in with Ty J Spears. I have, I, I, have, I like I, it. That's who I was I hoping to get here. Everywhere, same. I have him everywhere. Yeah, we'll see what happens, man. I'm gonna hold on to the lottery ticket, Dave. Back to you here uh, at pick number thirteen. All right, I guess I'll eat it. I mean, who thought that uh, you know when the season kicked off that we'd be sitting here like upset to take Jackson Smith and Jigba at thirteenth in a rookie draft? <laughs> yeah, but you know, we just haven't really seen it so far. And I think the big concern is like we know Seattle runs a lot of three wide receiver sets. That's what Shane Waldron likes to do. But unfortunately, Jackson Smith and Jigba is almost always the third read in these passing plays. And when you're looking at DK Metcalf and you're looking at Tyler Lockett, one of them is assured to be open. So the ball just isn't getting JSN's way all that much. I mean, really what you're looking at with JSN is the hope, not that you ever want to hope for injuries, but if DK Metcalf goes down, if Tyler Lockett goes down, then suddenly there's an opportunity for JSN to be a viable fantasy asset. But as long as those two are healthy, there's not going to be a lot left on the bone for JSN. But uh, not crazy about the pick here, but also he's a very talented player. You know, probably the most talented guy to come into this draft class. Number one receiver drafted. We know about the prolific college career and all that. The one saving grace, I think, that we can kind of say with JSN he didn't play last year, like sat out the yeah. entire year yep. in college. Yep. Then he had a preseason wrist injury. So this slow ramp up could just be a product of him not playing meaningful football since, you know, the, the 2021 season. Uh, that's kind of the silver lining here is that maybe he can put it together even without injuries to Metcalf or Lockett. But, you know, based on the production we've seen so far, you don't feel too great about JSN. Yeah, it was man. just nice to finally see him get some targets beyond two two yards from the line of scrimmage. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like that's what he that's what he did in college. Know, like he I was just... a great downfield receiver. And then they're just like, no, you just stay behind the line of scrimmage and we'll get you screens. <laughs> Scott, over to you. Yeah, so now we're we're kind of at the tail end of like rookies who you're you're starting right now. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're, getting, we're, getting, into yeah. the, we're getting into the gray yeah. area. So it's down. It's between a running back and a wide receiver for me here. The running back, lots of hype, could possibly be one of the co-hosts tonight' favorite team. Um, so, uh, but I'm going to go with Tank Dell. I'm going to go with Nathaniel yep. Tank Dell here. He's been he's been you know he's been missing some time with some injuries, um, you know. But he's another beneficiary of the surprisingly effective and you know potent Houston Texans offense. Um, you know, and he you know. It kind of for a while there, it was either a Tank Dell game or a Nico Collins. Nico Collins and other guys like, okay, all of a sudden he's good. And I know Kluge has talked up Nico Collins plenty in the past, so that must feel pretty good. But um, but Tank Dell's he's just another guy. He's another guy that when healthy, you know, you're if, especially if you got like three wide receiver slots or a couple flexes, he's a guy you're considering starting right now because he's shown it. So I'm going Nathaniel Tank Dell. Yeah, that was my pick as well, Scott. Um, I'm gonna go Jaden Reed. And I, I will say, pie on my face, I have a lot of a lot of Green Bay Packers futures tickets out there that are not going to cash. I thought this was going to be a much better defense than it is. It hasn't been, 
but I think that might give us a little bit of a room here down the stretch that Jaden Reed is going to have to be featured more on this offense. It hasn't been great lately. He got lucky, bailed out with the touchdown here off the hands of Romeo Dobbs in week seven. But kind of looking at what, what the rest of the board has, we saw what the upside could be earlier this season. He had a two-touchdown game, seven, eight targets a couple times back in a row. So, yeah, I'll get down with a little bit of Jaden Reed here in a second. I like that one. Um, I'll go with Roshan Johnson. Uh, you know, I love this guy coming yeah. into the draft. And, you know, we haven't really seen it so far. He's kind of been in Khalil Herbert's shadow. Uh, hasn't really seen the opportunity. The opportunity finally did arise when Khalil Herbert got injured and then Roshan Johnson hit concussion protocol. So we haven't seen it yet. But what we have seen from this Bears team so far is that they want a two running back punch. I mean, it was Roshan Johnson and Khalil Herbert to start the year, even last week. Deonta Foreman was the one that got the three touchdowns and looked great in fantasy, but he still ceded 12 touches to Darrington Evans, who they just signed off the street. So once Roshan Johnson is healthy, there's going to be a split between Roshan and Foreman. I think Roshan is the better back. I think the Bears coaching staff thinks that Roshan is the better back, and that's why we saw Foreman a healthy scratch for the first four weeks of the season. Uh, Roshan Johnson, he just does it all. You know, he can break tackles. He can catch passes. He reminds me so much of Javante Williams. He reminds me of Damian Pierce, just those angry runners that we really like to see as rookies. So now he's back in practice, hopefully tomorrow. Uh, or actually, I think he was back in practice today. So hopefully he could play this week, and I expect him to immediately leapfrog Deonta Foreman and be the RB1. Wow. What? Dave, you are still beating the drum. I, I give you credit, man, because... I've been we've been beating this drum for so long, and I feel like I, I'm starting to wear wear on it, man. After seeing <laughs> after seeing what Foreman did, you really think it's going to be back to Roshan week week one? I mean, Foreman looked good last week, and we've seen Foreman look at. But first of all, let me tell you, I'm a huge fan of Deonta Foreman as well. Like all yeah, three the, of these Bears running stuff. backs, it's not just because they're on the Bears. I was a fan of Khalil Herbert coming into the league, fan of Roshan Johnson coming into the league, and I've loved uh, Deonta Foreman since the Houston Texans drafted him. I mean, coming into the league, yeah. I was a huge fan. So the stars kind of aligned where I got a lot of my favorite running backs on my favorite team, and I like what Foreman brings to the table. But they were forcing him to play so far out of his comfort zone, drawing up screens for him. Yeah. You know, getting him outside. He is a between-the-tackles runner. Roshan Johnson is just so much more versatile. So I think that he will be the guy ahead of Foreman going forward. All right. All right. Here's a question about what we're talking about right now. Jacoby Myers or Josh Downs rest of season? I would probably still say Jacoby Myers. I think Jacoby Myers, if Jimmy Garoppolo can get healthy, is still a top 24 wide receiver. That's what he's been. Um, love the gold zone targets for him. I think he'll continue to get those no matter who's under center. Hopefully not Brian Hoyer. Dave, your thoughts here, Myers over Downs? Yeah, easily Jacoby Myers. I mean, this is what we want to see is like these hyper-targeted passing trees, and that's exactly what we're seeing in Las Vegas. Every single pass is basically going to Jacoby Myers or Devontae Adams. I have to look. I don't know off the top of my head, but I think Jacoby Myers is like 10th or 11th in target share on the league in the league playing behind Devonte Adams. I mean, he's been giving us wide receiver one production. So it, it, it's me pretty easily. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. Another, another wide receiver whoopsies for the Patriots. Would you <laughs> trade yet Derek? another, another wide receiver? fail? Patriots. <laughs> Would you trade Derek Carr for Roshan Johnson? Scott Russ is his starter 20 man PPR. Oh, whoa. Oh, all right. This is that a, changes the calculus a little bit. Quarterbacks are a little changing. more valuable I'm assuming, in twenty. I'm assuming it's one QB because you wouldn't be yeah yeah giving up a QB and super flex. Um, I think it would depend a little bit on what my running back room looks like. I mean, Carr in a in a twenty team league, 
you know, you kind of need a backup plan at wide yeah. quarterback. There is not going to be anything on the waiver wire. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing this trade right now, to be honest. I'm not. Okay. okay. All right. Um, let's get back. I think we just had, we just had Roshan Johnson go. Scott, it's to you. Yeah, we're kind of, we're, we're in the, we're the, the thick of it. Yeah. We're, we're getting the, the slim pickings for redraft. So um, I'm going to go with, hasn't had any spike games yet, but he's also been heavily involved and that's Luke Musgrave tight end for the green Bay Packers. You um, you know, he's also, I, I believe he's missed a game with, did he miss a game also with an injury anyway? Um, you know, after the, after the first few weeks, if you looked at the rookie leaders in snap, if you just look at snap share, which is really first few games of a rookie season, that's where I start. It's like, okay, who, who's on the field that yeah. really tells a lot. And Musgrave, Laporta, and Kincaid were all in, you know, above 50%. And Musgrave stayed there. There's just no competition for him at tight end in Green Bay. Um, you know, and their their offense in Jordan Love has been a little inconsistent, Jekyll and Hyde, a little shaky. But at this point, at where are we at? Um, the fifth pick in the second round. Um, I think he's I think he's a, he's a fine pick here. We're just we're running out of players that are actually playing. Throwing Jordan darts, Love man. is killing these guys. He is yeah. statistically the worst deep ball He's passer in the league. And Luke Musgrave and Christian Watson are so good at getting deep, and you see it every single week where they're wide open, like 40 yards downfield, and Jordan Love just misses them by 30 feet. I mean, it is so frustrating I wrote to watch. The, I wrote this up in the, my IBT article this week. If you had to guess who had the most receiving yards for the Packers this past week. Who was it? A.J. Dillon. Oh, my God. With 34. Disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting. Against the Broncos, too. That's like the saddest yeah, part I just, think about yeah. it. Jordan Love really tricked us for those first few weeks. We thought uh, we thought he could have been something. Yeah, he <laughs> touchdown heavy those first few weeks. Yeah, I was 100% with you there. I I, I believed in Jordan Love. I, I, I was counting up, up the receipts early. Um, all right, I'm going to go with another lottery ticket. It's Amari DiMercato. It's, it's not pick but you're getting two weeks of usability out of him here at least before james connor comes back 19 touches last week that that's encouraging and i know he he fold us here a, a couple weeks ago we spent all the fab on him everyone went after him and he fold us and screwed us but i think the the cardinals now know for whatever reason i don't know what told them that but keontae ingram isn't any good i think d mercado has a little juice he showed it at tcu in some big games last year down the stretch in the college football playoffs I think he'll show it to us again here, uh, at least for two weeks before James Conner gets back and then still a good handcuff and and maybe have a little standalone value, maybe. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, like you said, you're getting two usable weeks, which is more than you could say about just about anybody else at this point in this draft here. Uh, I'll go with Zach Charbonnet, and I almost went Zach Charbonnet over Roshan Johnson for similar reasons. You know, wow, there's no okay. standalone value right now, but the contingent upside is absolutely there. Uh, you know, the only reason Zach Charbonnet hasn't been producing is because Ken Walker has been so good. I was hoping there'd be some sort of split in this backfield, but it is very much so been the Ken Walker show. But if you look at the efficiency metrics, you know, rushing yards over expectation, breakaway run rate, juke rate, former missed tackle rate, pretty much every single efficiency metric is showing that Zach Charbonnet is looking all of the part of a good NFL running back. He had the target share in college. He had the goal line work in college. He's got the size to be a three down back. So really just kind of a lottery ticket. You know, you'd have to see Ken Walker go down for him to really do much of anything. Yeah. But yep. if Ken Walker gets hurt, he's a top 12 running back. 
All right. I like it. I like Zach Charbonnet there. Uh, Scott, over to you. You don't get to take your, your Seattle guy, but who are you taking? So at this point where we're at, uh, you know, this is a hoping, hoping for a breakout coming up. Somebody that's shown flashes. Um, you just hope that he gets more than one or two targets a game. And that's Marvin Mims. I'm comfortable wow, taking okay. him. I'm comfortable taking him at this point in the draft. Um, just because, you know, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of options left. Um, that have that have his type of upside at least. I mean, right now, right now in this point of a rookie draft, with our context, you know, I'm chasing a little bit of lottery ticket upside, and and he has that. He just he's able to find the field more. Can Jerry Judy get traded? I think that that's maybe a big question mark. Maybe it could unlock him a little bit. So, I don't mind the pick there. What about Michael Mayer? Give us Michael Mayer, Kyle. Put him on the board. This is a guy we highlighted a couple weeks ago, Scott, on In the Scope. It hasn't quite come to fruition yet. Uh, only two receptions last week, 13 yards. Did get four targets, though. And, like, to average ten or five targets over the last two weeks, like, that's kind of what you need at tight end. And I think it can get better with Jimmy Garoppolo back. They were starting to feature him. So, yeah, give me a little Michael Mayer. I'll wrap it up uh, with my last pick. Michael Wilson has shown some flashes here. Again, getting super, super deep in the trenches. Um, you know, it's been nothing but flashes so far, but with Kyler Murray hopefully coming back in the next week or two, we could see better passing. We could see more passing. And maybe that's what Michael Wilson needs to kind of break out this year. Awesome. Scott? I'm, I'm, I'm last. Okay. Well, at this point, super polarizing player right now uh, amongst a lot of people. But just going for that again, going for that upside, going for that potential. I'll go ahead and roll with Quentin Johnston here. Man, how disappointing has this been, Dave, for you to see? I know you might not have been the highest guy on Quentin Johnston. I don't know if any of us really were, were that high on this program. We knew he was kind of a raw prospect coming out, but to see him just continually not step up, them, them having to feature Gerald Everett in different ways just to get this offense moving, it, it it's just, I don't know, man. Is, is it a bust? Can we call it that, or is it too early? I think it's probably too early to call him a bust. I mean, I do love it for Gerald Everett. You know, Gerald Everett's one of my favorite tight ends in the league. Finally. I'd love to see him just, like, finding ways into relevance every single year somehow. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, man, it, it, it's tough. And I didn't really have a super strong take on uh, Quentin Johnson. We knew mm -hmm. he was raw. We knew the upside was there. But for me, you know, when I'm drafting especially best ball teams in the offseason, it's about game theory and stacking. And I really like this Chargers offense. So I found myself drafting a ton of Quentin Johnson, yeah. not because I wanted Quentin Johnson, but because I loved Keenan Allen and I loved Justin Herbert. And then Quentin Johnson was just, you know, staring me down the barrel in the seventh and eighth round. So I have a lot of Quentin Johnson in best ball and hoping that it can turn into something because right now it, it's just looking like, you know, just, just, it, it's it's killing my shares there we go there we go all right we're gonna factor or we're, we're gonna transition out of this and we're gonna get into some halloween movie rankings uh real quick we're gonna go through here and scott i want to start with you man you got three kids dude what is what are the kids watching what are you watching what are you showing them this time of year um rave rookie reviews this is kind of our segment to do a little lifestyle do a little fancy football rookie talk so what do you got for us well, just the other night, for the first time, my girls watched um, Nightmare Before Christmas, one of my favorite. And I mean, you can argue whether it's Halloween or Christmas. I just it's both. It's it's, it's both. Um, but, um, you know, one of, you know, just a classic Tim Burton movie, um, stop motion. You know, I watched there's this show on Netflix called The Movies That Made Us. And it's a bunch of behind the scenes of all, a bunch of these classic movies that barely happened. 
like almost <laughs> didn't happen. And this was one of them because of how insane at the time it was, you know, with the, with the available technology at that time to make this movie. Um, but it's just, it's a classic. It's, it's just a classic, the, the music, the songs, the characters and my girls, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, fear around yeah. some of the, some of the yeah. themes up until recently. And so we, we gave it a shot the other night and they liked it. There we go. There we go. Beetlejuice, man. I, I haven't done Beetlejuice. What, what do we got in Beetlejuice? And then what, what's your last movie there as well? So Beetlejuice. I, I, I can't just brush over it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Again, another Tim Burton. Um, okay. You know, I got okay. a little theme going here, but no, I kind of, it's one of those movies I grew up on, you know, now, nowadays it's the movie that has Moira from Schitt's Creek on it. It's like her, that actress, very, very young. Um, but it's just, it's, it's uh, Michael Keaton. It's crazy, okay. goofy, weird, um, you know, really young Alec Baldwin. Uh, it's just, it's just a classic, you know, it's, it's a, based on when I was born and what movies were, it's, it's just a, it's a classic grew up on a type of movie for me. So uh, my last a, one, I, last I one just is, watched Beetlejuice uh, the other day for the first yeah. time, Scott, I'd never seen this movie before. And, and you're probably going to hate me for saying this, but I, I didn't realize like Beetlejuice's whole thing is just that he's a pervert. Like that's the whole like, yeah. humor behind Beetlejuice. Like he's just like groping people oh, and making disgusting. inappropriate jokes. He's just disgusting. Yeah. And he's, I, I didn't know what I expected, but it definitely wasn't that. But I got to say the scene where they're all lip singing at the table had me in stitches. I was, oh, that, yeah. it, was that's... It, it was, it was a good movie. I was just very taken aback by a lot of the jokes that wouldn't probably fly in 2023. No, that's the thing. <laughs> it, 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 it sprung up when, it's so funny to go back and watch some of those movies and be like, yeah. Oof, I don't know if yeah. you can really say that, Matt, you know, because um, it's true. He is just kind of a disgusting pervert. <laughs> so my third movie is one I'm not showing my kids anytime soon, but it's one of my favorite, just kind of like, if you want to call it horror, you know, um, I think, you know, never heard of this one at all. Poltergeist. Oh, no. Yeah, watch so it tonight Poltergeist, by yourself. They, after there have been various renditions of it, but the original is a classic. If you've ever, if you've ever heard, you know, one of the quotes from the movie is "They're here." Okay, if you've ever gotcha. heard that? That's yeah, the yeah. Yep. Okay, and they are ghosts. That's the they, and they're here. So it's just it's one of those like I wasn't super into horror movies as a kid and like being scared, but it's one that made it through my my ski my screening process apparently, and I I just really like it so. Hell yeah. All right. Pretty good list there for you, Scott. Dave, can you top it? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, I'll start with E.T. I don't know if people think of E.T. as a Halloween movie, but I think, you know, the best scene from E.T. is on Halloween night when yeah. they're going yeah. through and they dress E.T. up. So uh, that, that's what I went with here. I don't know why. That was the first one that popped into my mind. I didn't want to lead the list with it because I don't know if it's technically a Halloween movie. Uh, but Scary Movie is another one. Came out okay. when I was a teenager and one of the funniest movies I had ever seen when it first came out. I'm sure cool. much like Beetlejuice, if you watch it in today's climate in 2023, it probably has a lot of <laughs> uh, moments. But at the time, I loved Scary Movie. And then topping it all off with Hocus Pocus. I think this is the best movie of all time. Uh, my grandma just passed away a few years ago, but she used to be obsessed with this movie. And she was very much so a homebody for the last 15 years of her life or so. Never really left the house or anything. And from the start of October all the way through Halloween, she would just keep this movie on she had it on vhs and she would just play it on repeat as soon as it would end she would just start it right back over again and awesome. play the movie wow. for all of october so i've seen that one front to back hundreds of times throughout my life and it always gets me in the halloween spirit 
That's have you really seen cool. the Have you seen the the new one with the same character, same actors? I haven't. No, I, I, I kind of not. I have. Yeah. I have a vendetta against remakes. I, I, I want. I'll probably yeah. watch it at some point, but I like original ideas, and I don't like when oh, they just kind of remake movies. But the the original is so good. I almost don't want to watch the new one because I'm afraid no, that they'll I, ruin the original for me. The the reason. I mean, I I watched the second one because of my two girls. Like, because they 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 love Hocus Pocus. It's it, oh, and it's I do so too. Good. It's great. Yeah, it's, um, it's a great one. They were like, "Oh, we gotta watch the the new one." I was like, "Okay, it wasn't bad. I mean, it, wasn't it was bad. okay. It was okay." It was I I have to say, quick story on Hocus Pocus. I watched it for like like maybe the first ten minutes when I was maybe like nine or ten. Scared the shit out of me, but like because <laughs> yeah. like, the opening of that, it's not a soft opening to that nope. movie at all for a kids' movie. <laughs> so I I turned it off after the first ten minutes. Never watched it again until literally a month ago, and I was like, "Wow, this is like the." The, the nicest, calmest movie I've ever seen about witches. The and opening like, is an angry mob like chasing the witches through the forest and killing them. Like that's how the movie starts <laughs> off. Yeah, that is very yeah. scary for a little kid. Yeah, yeah, and, and then the first little kid gets turned into the cat, and and yep. the, the girl yep. gets yeah, just terrible, terrible start <laughs> there. Um, but Hocus Pocus does make my list as well here. Um, Young Frankenstein's also on that list. Dude, I don't Young know Frankenstein guys... is a classic. This so is good. just like your your great successful parody. I feel like there are so many bad parody movies out there, but Young Frankenstein, Gene Wilder, Mel Brooks and the Boys, nineteen seventy four. They got it done there. Um, definitely a good one to check out if you guys haven't. And then I've never shied away from my love for Disney Channel's Halloween Town. Like it, it Scott, have you shown this to your kids? Because it is. I, just... I, I... I don't even know what this is. Oh my Nor Scott, it is, it is. I don't know what Halloween Town is. I mean, Dave, you don't know it either. I haven't heard of this. No. Wow. Okay. So probably like late '90s, early 2000s. So I was I was pretty young when this first came out. Um, but man, like it's just so magical. Like they they really like for what they do with the CGI and just the the wardrobe and everything. It's it, it it's awesome. Go check it out, Scott. There's like four of them, so put them on for your daughter. Oh, um, yeah, on. I mean, our I think our favorite holiday as a family is Halloween. Hell it, yeah! It, like October is, you know, it's we have a lot more fun decorating our house and get, getting all Halloweeny and listening to it. We have Halloween mixes, you know, Halloween Same. songs. We uh, scare the crap out of our neighborhood kids. Really, I mean, we go all out on Halloween, like jump scares, like scaring all the kids in the neighborhood. We love it. Yeah, I mean, we had, like my kids have listened to Thriller by Michael Jackson probably more than most kids, just because it's there on repeat go. on a loop in our Halloween music mix. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, and I mean, Halloween movies are tricky, just because like I mean, like Dave said, is ET a Halloween movie? I looked up, I the, according to the internet, their lists of here's the top Halloween movies. A Halloween movie is just a movie that's scary in some way. Like <laughs> that's what made the list. Like pretty much all the like. Horror movies like Saw, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, obviously the movie called Halloween, but um, yeah, it's basically just scary movies. Our Halloween movies. So there we go. Are you guys dressing up at all this year, Dave? You got anything planned with that, Emily? Yeah. So we do the old. Um, my wife, she always we, we've done the same thing for a few years now. She does this like creepy 
doll costume where she wears like a doll face and she wears like a short skirt and leggings and she kind of lures the kids up to the house with a bowl of candy and then i sit on the porch in a chair with a big mask on with another bowl of candy and i look like i'm like a stuffed like you know i I look like a scarecrow i put straw coming out of my wrists and everything straw coming out of my feet so they don't realize that i'm an actual person they think that i am just another halloween decoration and then when they get up to the house then i jump out of the chair and scare them i'm not kidding we go all out dude and this we is weren't crazy sure. our, our first year we weren't sure how the kids were going to react yeah the kids run away screaming and the parents love it and that's what we were concerned about is how the parents would react yeah the parents laugh they are so appreciative how much energy we put into it and i, I realized i think this is kind of where i grew up in chicago you know we went all out in chicago and would really really scare the kids i don't know if that's kind of commonplace around the rest of the u.s but my wife took that out to colorado with us you know took our chicago roots with us out here and everyone in the neighborhood seems to really enjoy it that's awesome that's really cool so i'm yeah my youngest is going as princess zelda um nice and so and i've got my and i'm going as a baka blend which is this guy Love so that's that. the mask I ordered on Amazon. So <laughs> I'm going to be Princess Zelda's enemy with that mask on. It's a kid's mask. I'll make it. There fit. we go. There Love we it. go. Love it. All right, guys. Let's get to some from the form and take some questions here. If you're up, stuck, think about what to do. Here at In Between, we got advice for you. Back and forth all day, trying to pick the play. Let's hear what the boys here had to say. Presented by the Fantasy Football Advice Network. All right, let's get to a couple questions here before we get to the questions from the forum. And a reminder that this segment is powered by the Fantasy Football Advice Network. And this is a great platform for you guys to check out. It's free to join. You can also use the promo code IBT if you want to upgrade your account. And it's something where if you don't want to download Discord, Patreon, Facebook, Instagram, it combines all these platforms into one thing where Fantasy Football creators fantasy football enthusiasts can all support each other so it's a really cool community you guys should definitely check it out over there at fantasyfootballadvice.com and let's get some questions here in the chat first one from priceless pigeon would you trade Komet and shahid for kittle and rondale moore another 20-man ppr question how are we feeling about it initially dave I'm trying to break this down right now. I think I'd prefer Kittle and Rondale Moore. I think there's a little bit more value probably on that side. I, I, I saw I think Kittle. The, the gap between Kittle and Komet is a lot wider than the gap between Shahid and Rondale Moore. Scott, is that where you are too? Yeah. Yeah. And Rondale Moore has the most rushing yards of any wide receiver in the NFL right now. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I like this. I like this deal. That's a cool. Never done a 20 man league, but uh, we might have to get into that next year. I like that. Um, here's one from Josh. Would you trade Carr for Roshan Johnson and Janu? 20 man redraft PPR. Russ is starting. All right. So th- this might have been a, uh, an add on from the question we got yeah, earlier about Carr from Roshan. Um, Josh switched accounts here on us. Hmm. How do you feel about it, Scott? I'm still hesitant. Um, you know, I honestly, I, I don't have experience in a league this with this many teams. Um, but my gut is telling me, like, I don't like, even though it's not super flex. Yeah. You don't know, give I up mean, that. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're in a 10, if you're in a 10 team league and you know, 
oh, I got to draft a backup for my quarterback's bye week. It's like, no, just stream during your quarterback's bye week. There's plenty of quarterbacks available. In this case, if you don't have a backup you're, during your quarterback's bye week, you might just have an empty roster spot. So I'm probably still keeping Carr. If Roshan Johnson had established himself at this point, it wasn't based on hope, you know? I mean, not just hope. I mean, there, there are signs mm-hmm. pointing to, you know, to success. But I'm probably still sticking with Carr. Okay. Yeah, I think so too. I just don't know how much Johnny moves the needle, like tricked us for the first five weeks, giving us a tight end, what, 13, I believe he was. Yes. But yeah, I, I feel like there's got to be better options out there for tight end. The the deepest league I'm in is an 18 team league though. And, you know, every move you make carries a ton of weight. So mm-hmm. I, I completely understand the uh, plight of being in a league like this. It's It's not easy. Here we go on from Cohen. My tight end is Logan Thomas. Should I spend a good amount of fab on Dalton Kincaid? Scott, you had him ranked pretty high. Are, are you willing to spend up if Logan Thomas is your guy right now? I, I think I think so at this point. Yeah, I think if Dalton Kincaid's available. Um, okay. You know, I mean, the, you know, the reason he came in really, I mean, it was really, it was between him and Laporta once the season actually got underway. It was really between the two. But a lot of people still had Kincaid higher. Um they're both on really good offenses, but I mean, if he's still available, I mean, his upside in this offense now that Dawson Knox is, it's not that Dawson Knox was really taking a lot, but it's hard when there's another tight end involved. It's not the same as, as having two wide receivers on the field. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I would be. I'd throw upwards of 30% on Kincaid if he's available in the league and, and you need a tight end. I don't think Logan Thomas is going to be the guy for the rest of the season. Kincaid can hopefully be a plug and play guy. Love it. Love it. Let's get to the question from the forum. Rest of season rankings. Let's get back to this. Brian Robinson Jr. or Javante Williams? Dave, how are you feeling about it, man? Brian Robinson, really a top 24 guy in most statistics across the league. He has had quite a bit of touchdowns carrying him so far this season, six. Um, And Javante Williams finally saw, I wouldn't consider it a breakout game in week seven, but 83 yards, 15 carries, had four targets. Are you interested in taking maybe the upside play with Javante or Brian Robinson, who's been steady Eddie so far? You know, I think I'm going with Brian Robinson, and he's been a bit game script dependent, but you know when he has a good matchup that you can lean on him, except, of course, that one matchup against the Bears where everybody thought it was a good matchup and looked at him as like a top eight running back, and he just completely face planted that week. Javante Williams, you know, the upside is there, but Jaleel McLaughlin has looked great. Samaj P. Ryan is starting to warm up over the last couple of weeks as well. So uh, for me, we're seeing Antonio Gibson kind of just seeing his workload diminish by the week. I think I'm going to go with Brian Robinson here just because he has a much clearer role in the offense than what Javante has in this perceived three-headed committee in Denver. Yeah, it's gross right now there in Denver, Scott. Week 8 snaps, Javante 53%, P. Ryan 25%, McLaughlin 17%, uh, Michael Burton 20%. Burton's getting even a little bit of look in the passing game. So it feels like just a – it's gross. Yeah, I honestly – I'm still – in my opinion, I'm going going Javante here. Oh, wow. You you want to be a part of that? I mean, you know – a 50 percent snap share for Javante Williams just by itself doesn't sound good, but I mean that's significantly more than the other two backs you mentioned. And he was dealing with a hit. He he was dealing with it. You know, obviously he's coming back from the injury, the more mm-hmm. significant injury, but he was dealing with a hip injury. Um, and I think he's just getting healthy. And I thought he he looked he looked the part this past week. And you know, I mean the 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 pull for Brian Robinson is there because like. Dave said Antonio Gibson is down to about one route a game at this point, maybe. 
Um, you know, he's not really getting any, he's not getting any rush attempts. So it's there, but Brian Robinson to me is just kind of, you know, without a touchdown, it's just like, okay, six, seven fantasy points a week, potentially that, I mean, I might have a little bit of take lock with Brian Robinson going on myself. <laughs> I've just never really been a fan. I'm a fan of him. I'm a fan of the story, like what he went through to come right. back from that gunshot wound and play. I'm a fan of that, but I've never really been a fan of the fantasy asset. Um, so I just, I like the upside with, with Javante. Free Antonio Gibson in the chat. Ah, man. It may, may... I'm done with Antonio Gibson. Yes, I'm, not, I'm... I'm not going there again. I, I've, I'm too tired for it. I've been <laughs> recommending him as a cut since week three. Like just right now, Chris Rodriguez Jr. has jumped him on the depth chart. That's how bad it is for Antonio Gibson. Yeah, I, it, it has not been kind, man. And maybe we see him get traded, but... I'm with Dave on this one. Scott, I think you Fair made enough. a great point for Javante, but I have to go to Brian Robinson. And like, we've gone way more in the passing game than I think anyone expected this season from Brian Robinson as well. 14 targets and he's, he's cashed in two of them for touchdowns. So maybe that's going to come back down. Maybe there's a little uh, positive regression the other way, but we'll see. Um, let's go ahead though, guys. We're going to round out the show tonight with some in the scope. Requesting permission to engage. In the scope. All right. So we don't need to spend a ton of time on the mainstream targets. We're going to have our our article out tomorrow on this. We already had our early uh, waiver wire targets article out as well. So go over to the in-between media site, inbetweenmedia.com and check that out. Um, But but I do think we need to spend just a, a minute before we get to our after waivers run targets. Um, and talk about this Rams backfield. Zach Evans wasn't the guy. I think we were all a bit hesitant, uh, at least on this program, to, to commit to him last week. Guy got beat out in college a couple times. I, I felt like Daryl Henderson Jr. knew this scheme. I thought it would be Miles Gaskin, who also maybe stepped up with him. Um, but it was Royce Freeman. So, Dave, how does this shake out for you, for fantasy managers? How much fab are you willing to spend on Henderson or Royce Freeman? And uh, it, it Looking at Ma or uh, Zach Evans from a dynasty lens, it, is it time to hang up the hat on him as well? Uh, I don't know about for dynasty, um, but it's definitely not going to happen this year. I mean, he didn't log a single offensive snap last week, which was yeah. pretty tough to see. And I'm a big fan of Zach Evans' talent. Like he looked good in college, he's got juice, but you know, it seems like Sean McVay just hates him, and that's uh, what we're probably going to see for the rest of this year. But we got to remember, Kyron Williams also couldn't get on the field last year, and look at what he did this year in year two. So I'm not ready to say that he's a bust uh, in dynasty, but I I wish I had a clear picture on this Rams backfield. And I really don't. I mean, my gut reaction after the game was Daryl Henderson is going to be the guy and splash all your fab on Daryl Henderson. But then you look at it, Royce Freeman actually had 12 carries to Henderson's 18 and he was much more efficient with those touches, more rushing yards over expectation, more yards per carry. I think what Henderson brings is better pass blocking, and that pass blocking is going to get him extra snaps, and it's going to keep him on the field the same way that Kyron Williams was on the field. But I'm a little bit hesitant to just go spend everything I have on Daryl Henderson right now because it wouldn't shock me, and this could totally, I could have an egg all over my face by the end of next weekend, but it wouldn't shock me if Royce Freeman sees his role grow a little bit because he looked better on the eye test, and Mm -hmm. then if you start looking at the efficiency metrics, he looked better there as well. Well, there's also some like underlying tension, I think, between Daryl Henderson and this Rams coaching staff. I don't know why he was cut in the middle of last season after being the starter for the beginning of it. So yep. 
some weird shit could happen. So I, I, I do like that call of maybe going with the contrarian play of Freeman. Scott, he's probably free. <laughs> you don't yeah, have to spend yeah, yeah. any money on Freeman. Wait till waivers clear and pick him up for free. Yeah, yeah. S- Scott, if in some of these shallower leagues, if Josh Downs, Rashi Rice, or Dalton Kincaid are out there, how do you rank those three? It's a tough one. I mean, it's based somewhat on need. If I need a tight end, Kincaid's number one. Um, you know, I have right now, I mean, when we were doing the rookie draft, when Rashi Rice went, if I were in that spot, I would have taken him or Downs. I have them very close. Okay. Um, I think I think Downs is already pretty much established as, you know, um, a consistent, at least a consistent volume guy who's who, who can score, you know, uh, in the top 12 of wide receivers like he did in week seven. I do think Rishi Rice has a higher ceiling. Um, I'd probably let's let's go ahead and take the team needs out of it. I'd probably go Rice. Rice Kincaid Downs. Okay. That that hurt for you to say. I know because you're a big Downs guy. But let's get to our in-the-scope candidates. These are the players you can pick up after waivers run. We've been successful this year on this, guys. We got Puka Nakua before week one. Uh, Scott, you had a, had a pretty good call a couple weeks ago. And then last week, Eric was uh, on the show telling us to pick up Devin Singletary. Now, a lot of people are kind of trying to go back to the well on him. Hopefully, you got him before the bye week. Dave, let's go to you, man. Who are you feeling as someone who might be a stash, someone you can get for really nothing after waivers run? Yeah, Pierre Strong right now is available in like 99.6% of leagues, and I don't think that a lot of people are going to be looking at him uh, when when they're setting their waivers tonight, but he's a guy that you might be able to pick up for free. And Jerome Ford, they're saying a low-grade, high ankle sprain, which is kind of funny wording. We don't know if he's going to be out a week. We don't know if he's going to be out four weeks. We don't even know if he's going to be out six weeks. I mean, these high ankle sprains do linger. And I think everybody's gut reaction is, you know, wheels up for Kareem Hunt. But Kareem Hunt looked terrible last year. He hasn't looked good this year. And after Jerome Ford exited the game with his injury last week, Pierre Strong out-touched Kareem Hunt 5 Two. So we know this Cleveland Browns uh, coaching staff likes something in Pierre Strong because they traded for him in the preseason. They didn't sign him off waivers. They didn't, you know, just bring him on, on the practice squad. They actually went out of their way to trade for him. So he's a guy that has a lot of fun metrics and a lot of fun measurables. He's great at catching passes, which we want to see in fantasy running backs. He's great in open space. But really what it comes down to for me is I just don't think Kareem Hunt has it anymore. He hasn't looked at it in, you know, two, two and a half years at this point. And I think Pierre Strong could be the guy that brings a little bit more juice to this Cleveland backfield. And he kind of was that guy down the stretch in this game for him, Dave. He -hmm. was the much more efficient back. I think he actually might have even had more carries in the second half uh, once we did see uh, uh, some people go down in this one. Scott, where are you here on the temperature of this uh, Cleveland backfield? I tend to agree. Um, You know, Kareem Hunt is going to be the guy that people are going to spend their fab and waiver priority on. And I don't necessarily, I mean, you know, he's going to be involved, but I like the idea of getting Pierre Strong for free. I'm kind of a moderate Pierre Strong truther. Um, I've anytime I'm feeling down, I just go look at his college <laughs> statistical profile. You know, conditionally formatted where green means good, and it's just doop, green across across the board for this guy. A little bit of a smaller sample size, small school, all that. So I mean, you know, it's not just he's not just going to come in and become Saquon Barkley. But um, he does have the talent, and you know this could be finally a situation where he's healthy, um, and he can he can actually get some work because he you know he battled injuries in, in New England and just never really worked for him, you know to 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 make his way up the up the pecking order in that backfield. So 
I like it. He's a he's a great stash candidate. You know, and I mean the thing about it, if based on his roster ship, if it does doesn't pan out, Cream Hunt gets thirty carries. Okay. Yeah. You got him for free. Right. Move on. All right, Scott. Who do you got for in the scope here, week number eight? All right. So this is this is a player. It's a little bit out of the you know norm with the discussions we have with these types of players. Um, somebody that if you have an IR slot, like I do in a bunch of leagues, I've already got him in my IR slot, and that's Kyler Murray. Um, he's still only 22, 22% owned, 23% owned ESPN leagues. Um, you know, you know, think what you want about, you know, all the stories, all the, all the off the field stuff with him to be able to get a quarterback with his potential ceiling at this point in the season for free. Um, it's a risk you got to take. Like there's gotta be some sort of roster clogger at the end of your bench. If you don't have an IR slot, an IR spot that it's worth it to cut bait with them for the potential of Kyler Murray, especially people that lost Anthony Richardson, like me and like half my leagues. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, so I scooped him up. I scooped him up everywhere I could. And, you know, he, he's not coming back this week. They have until November 8th to activate him for this season. Um, but all the talk coming out of Arizona is positive. They want him to play. He wants to play. Um, so I think, I think he does play, you know, and it would be a, you know, I mean, Josh Dobbs has had some some surprisingly effective play, you know, coming to the team yeah. two minutes before the season started. Um, but Kyler Murray would, you know, he would he would jack up the the fantasy value of Michael Wilson, Marquise Brown, of the new tight end one in Arizona, Trey McBride, um, and various other people. So yeah, if he's there, grab him now. It would it would be a godsend if he could make it back by week ten because week ten you got Patrick Mahomes, Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, Matthew Stafford all on by. Yeah, that's so a if, tough bye week. Yeah, yeah. So if Kyler could make it back by week ten, that would uh make a lot of people feel better about losing their potential quarterback one. I don't think I would have been excited about Kyler Murray a couple of weeks ago, but looking at the quarterback landscape right now, I think we have to consider him. So I like the shout out there, Scott Kyler Murray. He's interesting. Um, I will, the only thing I will say about Kyler Murray, 25% of his points last season came from the rushing production. So I think the ceiling is lower than it has been in the past, but I still think he could be a serviceable low end quarterback one when he gets back and healthy. I'm going to shout out Chris Rodriguez jr. Here to close us out tonight, guys. Um, this is another kind of shot in the dark. Dave mentioned him a little bit earlier when we were kind of, uh, trashing on Antonio Gibson (laughs) and really right now, the, com- the commanders, like, I think they are testing him out because they want to trade Antonio Gibson. Four carries mm-hmm. in week six, seven in week seven. But the most important thing to me was he had the most red zone touches among all the running backs this last week, too. And that's really what he is, guys. He's a power back, a short yardage back. He's not the most athletic rookie coming into this class. We didn't even have him ranked on our top 24. Like, I, I don't love the profile necessarily. Um, but Gibson has had five red zone touches all season. So I think they're really trying to phase him out of this game, maybe potentially trade him here next week uh, on October 31st, Halloween. Yeah, this was one of my, I think remembering back to the start of the season, one of my like deep, deep sleepers was Chris Rodriguez. He did, he, you know, he doesn't, he, his, his rookie profile is his college st- stats. Don't jump off the page. You know, he's yeah. low draft capital, but he did have, there were, there were, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there were a few, me- there were a few metrics that caught my eye. And that was the reason why in this particular backfield, I, you know, deep sleeper, 
you know, at that time, you know, in week one, you, he could only be a deep sleeper, you know, but he's another guy that, you know, like Pierre Strong potentially could come into some volume. Um, yeah. And he's got some awesome highlights. If you go back and watch what he did in college, you know, playing at Kentucky, he was just consistently running through guys. Really, really fun player. There we go. Well, there we have it. Guys, if you have more questions that we haven't got to yet, go ahead and throw those in the YouTube comment of the video, and we'll get to those later this week. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Dave, thank you for uh, giving so much of your time tonight, my man. Uh, tell us where we can find you and best support you throughout the remainder of this season and forward. Yeah, real simple. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. That's K-L-U-G-E. I promote pretty much all of my content there where we're doing the Football Guys Fantasy Football Show six days a week on YouTube and on podcasts. So uh, just follow me on Twitter if you like jokes and memes and uh, really dumb humor. There we go. Well, Dave, thank you very much. Scott, thank you for joining us. Appreciate the IBT family out there. We will see you guys here on Friday. Until then, keep it in between.